to this extra cheery episode 66 of the book wars pod i'm chris i'm here with kate and Kristen. hopefully with decent audio quality been having some technical difficulties here at book wars pod hq east and <laughs> you mean te- technical difficulties uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry i really fucking had to I did. Oh Too God. soon. Too, guys, K- guys, Kate K- spilled tea on her laptop. Yeah, like a lot of it, though. <laughs> like, is this karma? It's fine. It's not is karma. This, karma doesn't karma? exist. Good is people this... get cancer all the time. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Keeping it light and fluffy, as always, in the Book Wars pod. While we wrap up this trauma-filled a uh, fucking dumpster fire of a book. Dumpster fire, not in the sense that it was a bad book, but in the sense that oh, a lot of bad yeah. shit happened to people. <laughs> yes. That. Sorry, yes. Um, what are you guys drinking? Mom, are you still drinking tea? or No, all the tea, all the tea, the f- and the full-ass mug went on the goddamn laptop. <laughs> it's not not great. Not great, no, Bob. No, it's, it's not great. It's not great, Bob. See, um... What happened was I tripped on a wire as I was getting up to go to the bathroom to be super prepared for this podcast, and then the tea fell over. Yeah, it's not great. No, I'm sorry that happened. It's okay. I what do kind this, of like, wine are you? What kind of wine are you drinking? <laughs> once every three years, I just destroy my laptop. I am drinking uh, Grifone Bianco, which is some. I don't even know what the fuck this is. This is some white wine that is allegedly. Italian. Uh, it's Sounds organic. Like it. Apparently, it's organic. So, uh, yeah, I um, popped this open on Sunday because I needed three quarters of a cup of wine to make my dinner, and then I just had a bottle of wine. So now I'm just literally having a bottle a sh- of wine. Yeah, I stuck a straw in there, and I'm going to town. And uh, oh, and uh, the tea, the tea that I spilled all over my computer <laughs> is the tea that Chris hates. <laughs> Maybe it's just hateful tea. Cool. Maybe it's just hateful tea. I'm only calling no it more... hateful tea. Yeah, don't get it from now on. It was it a like gift. Clock. Oh no! It wasn't a gift. It was a cast off. That's why it's hateful. Yeah. Because his mom hateful. was like, "It wasn't a gift." My mom got it, and she's like, "I don't like this. Do you want it?" Oh no! And Kate was like, "Gimme." <laughs> because it's tea. And tea's it's tea. Tea's... Yeah. I mean, I would have done the same thing. <sighs> it's fine. What, Chris? Are you drinking sparkling water? No, I had regular water, and then I drank it all. You're drinking nothing. <laughs> I'm drinking nothing. I'm sorry. You have I've had a hard like, day, Kristen. You have ample prep time for this podcast. <laughs> My bumped, prep time went into out. sopping up tea. I know. We bumped it out so that they they could let me finish watching My Cousin Vinny, because it was about to be at that scene at the end of My Cousin Vinny, so I really appreciate that. Um, I'm what I was saying it. as we cut out, when yes. the incident happened was I don't know that I've ever actually seen my cousin Vinny all the way through. Oh, you need to watch Like I know it. what happens. Great. I've seen like I've probably seen 70% of the movie bits and pieces of it, but I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through. 
Do you like Seinfeld? I do like Seinfeld. Kate hates okay. Seinfeld. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> I, I love like, Seinfeld, though. But, but Kate, you like My Cousin Vinny? I've never like seen oh. My Cousin Vinny. Because I'm yeah. a bad, bad, I'll... bad tri-state resident. <laughs> no, it's fine. You guys should watch it. It's. I want to know what you, what you think of it. <laughs> well... You compare it to Seinfeld, so that's already a winning endorsement. Well, for me. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, it's a New York Jew and a New York Italian, so. <laughs> okay, okay. At least they're from New York. Okay. Classic buddy cop combo. <laughs> no, not it's not that, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, someone asked me what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Kristen? <laughs> I'm drinking the Breakside Tall Guy India Pale Ale. It looks like it has a picture of Chris on it. <laughs> I put it in the Slack so we could post it to the Instagram. It's yeah, beard. Um, it's a guy with glasses and a beard, and it just says "tall guy" on it. He's wearing an apron that says "tall guy." It says "Ode to the Tropical Citra Hop, whimsically refreshing, one size fits all." This is the first time I've had this. It's really good. I did basically just get it for the label, but it's Breakside <laughs> and it's an IPA, so I knew I was gonna like it. Here you go. And yeah. You, you and you love your citra hops. So. I do. As we all know As, from listening to the Talk oh Station Brewhouse. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Me and Brian are Northwest IPA trash. I love it. Y'all are adorable. Yes. Um. Should we do? Should we book? Okay. Let's I, book. I would rather book than sue in my feelings about how I'm probably gonna have to give eight hundred more fucking dollars to Apple to fix my goddamn computer. Chris, you should t- really take a picture of my laptop sitting in rice right now and post that to the Instagram. It'll be the saddest thing ever. Uh, just be like, oops. I might. <laughs> That's the whole caption. <laughs> anyway. But. What if the caption is at least it wasn't sand? <laughs> I would actually love that. <laughs> I, I might happen. I would legitimately love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's talk about the book. Um, the bulk of this episode is going to be social media questions because y'all had a lot of feelings about this book, which I can super fucking understand but before we get into those uh just wanted to talk a little bit about the writing so that we can nerd out about the writing um so first effects this is the first series that we've read first over series that we've read on the podcast um it was the first one in the new canon now there's now thrawn's probably gonna wind up being another series of well, it is already a series of things. I was going to say I wind up being a trilogy, but I don't know that. I don't know anything. I don't work for Del Rey. I have no inside information. Um, yeah, he's said that, Tim Zahn has said he's got more than one more book left in him. So it just depends on what the contract says, I guess. God give bless. Me, give me Blue Boys. <laughs> All the Blue Boys. <laughs> yeah. Keeks, I'm so excited for us to read Thrawn Alliances this year. Me fucking too. It's great. It's I love it. Fun. Oh, speaking uh, of speaking of blue boys, you guys sent me two blue boys for my birthday, which is this week. So thank you for that. You sure did. Happy birthday, to, I, Kristen. Thank you. Almost. Uh, I think this is coming out after my birthday. It's a whole fucking thing because you guys are going to go do fun stuff in Ireland. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Eh, whatever. doesn't matter. Well, I guess the episode that came out my birthday, we came out today, the day we're recording this, Aww. which is coming out in two weeks. <laughs> so. Yay. Yay. Anyway, I need to take a... This is my reminder to myself to take a picture and put it on the uh, Slack so we can put it on the Instagram. Yay. <laughs> I got you, you a diaper elephant. To do. I know. It got me a diaper elephant. It's the best. I love it. <laughs> I was like, here's a real one and here's a very not real one. 
so many pop Funkos that I don't need, but I love so much. I mean, I make, make Kiki happy, so. Oh, they're the best. Um, oh, there's my air conditioning just kicked on, which I forgot to turn off. Um, um, that's all right. Ours just did the exact same thing. So. Fine. Oh, maybe it was yours then. I don't know whether or not it's yours or mine, but oh, that's fine. If you're only going by sound, it's definitely ours. I just assumed that you were actually feeling air conditioning in, in your life. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. You're right. It's not mine. I just, it sounded <laughs> like mine. Oh, my God. Listen, it's very hard to be uh, all three of us today, apparently. <laughs> it's very hard to be alive. Yeah, it's been a day. <laughs> Man, fuck. And I work from home today, too. Oh and I'm still God. just like... <laughs> God, I should have worked from Speaking home Speaking of, today. my my boss just texted me, like, oh, it's 7.30. That's, That's right. I'm, I'm like, DMing with a colleague right now, so it's fine. There's, there's some... There's work-life some dr- balance. <laughs> See, oh, it's not about work. No, no, it's oh, some okay. drama. Uh, this is actually, I think she just texts me actually about work. She needs something. And I think she did apologize. So shout out to Lindsay if you're listening to this. I hope she's not. That'd be terrible. I'm sure, she, I'm sure she's not. Um, okay. <laughs> if she is, Keeks probably would have been fired already. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not true. I haven't done anything wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, 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 oh, are we talking more about Siri stuff? Or do we want to go into the writing? Um, we have, like, not talked about serious stuff even a little bit. I introduced the topic, and then we went off the rails, as usual. Shocking. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> series are cool because Star Wars is is three series right now. So true. So true, Kristen. <laughs> Just hard-hitting. Three deep trilogies. analysis. <laughs> it is <sighs> deep analysis. But it's a first book trilogy, right? In it, the new canon. It, it sure is, is. That is correct. Um, just dropping facts all over this podcast. <laughs> just spilling facts like it's tea over here. Oh my god. Chris, if you make another spilling tea joke, I swear to god, my foot will be up your butt. <laughs> just keep doing it. I want to get that recorded. <laughs> what do you guys think are the advantages and disadvantages of having more than one book to tell a story? Um, I liked that we were able to delve deeper into characterization in this one because, like, obviously we talked in after in the first aftermath book about how it was already pretty characterization heavy and it had a lot of moving pieces. Mm-hmm. And starting from kind of that common ground of like, yes, in any book you're going to reintroduce the characters a little bit because that's just what you do in books. But you know, knowing that you could kind of just start where they ended up and go and jump off from there and assume that they were going to read the first book. Mm-hmm. I thought was allowed us to see a lot more depth, particularly in Cinder's character, although I also I think in others. Yeah, absolutely. And if you want more um, talk about Chuck Wendig's writing philosophy and such, we covered that uh, when we read the first Aftermath book, so go back and listen to those if you so choose. Um, obviously, if you're writing a trilogy or, yeah, like... You, as, in addition to just being able to expand on things, you get to you know expand on the story. Of course, um, we should mention it's a um, it's a much wider story. Um, do you, Chris? Do you know whether this was planned as a trilogy, or did you write the first aftermath book and there was demand and they made it into a trilogy? Um, my understanding is he wrote the first one and then signed a contract for two more. However, Ooh. I don't know if there was talk about, like, 
we want you to write this book, and if it goes well, it could be a series. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm I'm not sure. Right. I, I will say, yeah. I, the, I mean, even though I read the first one, even the first time I read it, when it was already a trilogy, it that book didn't feel like the end of the book. No, I was going to say, because uh, it would be interesting if it wasn't planned as a trilogy, because the ending is wide open, because you're like, who the fuck is this creepy-ass motherfucker yeah. Sloan's talking to? And, you know, there's all this other stuff going on, of course. Um, and there's probably, I would say, for the other main characters, less closure than you would expect in a standalone novel to their stories. Um, so, yeah, I was just wondering what the publishing plan, if you were aware of it, might have been. Hey, Tom, if you're listening, Tom at Delray, tell us what's up. (laughs) Yeah, I would actually, that's probably not uh, privileged information. No, I don't think so. It's probably out there. It's probably been mentioned in an interview or something that he might be able to point us to. But but Chris, then I would have to like go to Google and type it in myself. Oh, no. I I mean, I, I, I think we would need someone to point it to us, but no point Google it out to us. Time. Chris, you did, that was a joke that went way over your head. All no, right. no, I got it. Hopefully Chuck's not listening. I think he's the other person who could answer that question. Um, yeah, Chuck, I if think you're listening, we'd love to know. I'm pretty sure he never listened, and then I scared him on Twitter, and now he super doesn't listen. I think um, that's probably accurate. Too, yeah. <laughs> um, but... Never forget. Uh, agree. <laughs> agree with all of this. Um, I love, like, doing trilogy talk on here because it's fucking cool, as I said. this That's why I brought up that Star Wars is three trilogies in the movie so far. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because I think it actually, I mean, we did a lot of talking um, on our bonus about The Last Jedi about whether or not it felt like the middle of a trilogy. Um, and I kind of. I mean, I don't know if it's because I know this book is the middle of a trilogy. I don't know if it's a chicken egg thing, but I kind of feel like this book feels like the middle of a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like no, a it absolutely shitload, does to me. Yeah, a shitload of stuff. Well, that's good. Thank you. I needed the affirmation, so thank you guys. Um, a, like a shitload of stuff happens. There's a lot of plot. There's a lot of characterization. Um, but also, it feels like we there's a lot more that can happen. Right. Exactly. Um. You know, when with any trilogy, usually to me. What it feels like is that the first book is proof of concept, or the first movie, or whatever the fuck, and then the second, the second part of it is obviously a continuation of the first story, but it's really setting up um, what's going to happen in the third part of the story, and that's definitely what's happening here, especially because you know we've got all that um, dramatic shit that happens in the characters' personal lives at the end, um, what with what happens with uh, at Chandrilla, and of course we you know, larger universe plot-wise, don't really know what's going to happen since uh, everybody just got dead. <laughs> so, yeah. We know yeah. we're going to Jakku. <laughs> we do know we're going to, we know that the war has come to Jakku. Yes. And yes. at some point there will be a Jakku fight. <laughs> yes. That is, that is completely accurate. Yeah, no, I mean, the, I mean, the war, the war has come to Jakku is like, definitely just like, yeah, no, this is clearly this is clearly only at the end. We're not just gonna like drop this off and then like go <laughs> diddle around somewhere else. Like, no, that's not that's not what's happening here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really also liked all the characterization. I mean, Chuck's book as we Chuck's books as we've spoken about before um, are super character driven, which I just really enjoy about his writing. And I know we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it was kind of cool that. Um, 
we got to see him kind of flex that a little bit. Um, he oh, didn't have yeah. to do so much, so much building of who these people are and how they came together. Um, we just got to see him kind of like write interesting, cool characters and like make us hate Tamin more. So that was great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chris, you brought up, and I definitely think it's true that um, Sinjir gets a lot of billing in this book and we see so so many facets of him like he just wants to be a soft boy but he also wants to like murder which i understand um and i think jazz also gets a whole lot of great development especially um through her relationship with jom that motherfucker we're gonna talk about chips in a hot second um <laughs> uh but yeah definitely um i think um, you know, not to be super negative or anything, but Chris and I had some nitpicks with this book. Like, overall great book. Again, nitpicks with a little bit of the writing that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, and so mine is, and this is an issue we've talked about on this podcast, and the challenge of writing established characters. I mean, we talked about it in um, Last Shot with DJ, uh, DJ Elders, Han and Lando. We talked about it with Bloodline with Claudia Gray's Leia. Um, and both of those we really liked. My and this is this is just my personal opinion. I really don't like Chuck's Han. I don't like the way that he writes him. It doesn't read like Han to me. Um, so that is one issue that I had a little bit in this book. What about it doesn't feel like Han to you? He feels too cerebral. Mm. Honestly, like he feels. Yeah, Han's a ding dong. <laughs> like, like, and honestly, it feels <laughs> what. Just, like, kind of knowing Chuck's writing and knowing from these books and from his blog and from other sources, Chuck, it feels like there's maybe a little bit too much Chuck in his Han. And I don't, you know, and, and that's super fair. And, like, if you get the opportunity to add to the canon of a character like Han Solo, why the fuck wouldn't you, you know, put your own stamp on him? I, I do not begrudge any of this. It's just that my personal opinion is that, to me, Han is a character who doesn't talk a lot, doesn't think a lot, kind of just acts. Mm-hmm. And Han does a lot of monologuing in this book. Yeah, literally. Literally has a monologue in this book. So many Han, monologues. Han, Han does some John Gall <laughs> monologuing in this book. He's a monologue. Uh, uh, uh. I will not stop making puns. Keep going. <laughs> It's alright, I made an Atlas Shrug reference and it just nobody noticed it, so. I did. Okay. Oh. I just chose to ignore it because it was yeah. terrible. And I hated it. Don't make that face at me. I just spilled tea all over my computer. You don't get to make faces at me. Everything we do is just like t- telling the other people on this podcast that we hate their stupid fucking jokes. Uh, <laughs> which you is know whose fine. jokes we don't hate, though? Dribbles, official turtle of the pod. Oh my god. Perfect angel baby. Loves lettuce so much. Yeah, you and Hamlet have that in common. They sure do. Oh. Exactly. One listener understands what's going on right now, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. I don't care. Danny, I hope you enjoy this and share it with Dribbles. <laughs> Dribbles is a regular listener, so. <laughs> oh, Sorry, we were talking about real things, not derailed us. Oh, Twist. Jesus Christ. Voice indeed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, Chris, to your point, I think I think the one thing that did bug me about 
Han in this book is specifically that like monologue he goes on because I was like, I've never seen Han talk this much in my entire life, and I will never see him talk this much ever again, probably. So that was odd. It stuck out to me. Yeah, it's and to me, it just it wasn't because it's weird because I don't think any of his actions were on Han like like. The plan on Kashyyyk and like kind of being to Nora, like this will work, it'll work, like it's, that's that was very Han, mm-hmm. um, but it was just it all felt, I don't know, it felt more logical than Han is, mm-hmm. honestly. Like Han's a gut guy to me, sure, um, and I think that that's characterization that obviously we have from the original trilogy, but also to a certain extent from Solo, mm-hmm. which. Solo had not come out at this point, so right. not holding that against Chuck, but just saying sure. as part of Han's characterization. Sure. And how dare know. you hold that against Chuck? He it couldn't come see out the yet. future. Disney didn't tell him what was happening. Oh my god! And Kathy Kennedy personally wrote the Han monologue. Please, is what I'm saying. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I feel like we're just making Kate's night worse. I'm sorry, know, Kate. This is really supposed are. to be like a nice thing for you, but like me and Chris are just like worst trash white people um i have one <laughs> that's so true and she has a straw god yeah, bless i do <laughs> um but so yeah that's that to me was my only issue with han i really liked chuck's leia mm-hmm. yeah me too i thought chuck's leia because leia is more logical but she but he also got that kind of impulsive streak in totally. her I thought that, yeah. you know, so, you know, it's, and, and honestly, some of it's just a matter of taste. I know some people who love Chuck's Han. hmm Definitely. I, I will say as a person who has tried to get into the heads of, you know, characters from specific IPs, because I write fanfic, um, it's, it's really hard, first of all. It's really hard flat out. It can be very difficult. Like, there are plenty of people who write, and they write beautiful things, um, but they can't write fanfic. They can only write original because they just can't. Um, you know, get to that kind of headspace that's required for um, writing in someone else's sandbox. Um, but I can't. But but I will say it's it's always hard for me to write characters whose personalities are super different from mine for obvious reasons. And you know, I I can I can see where you know Chuck, uh, knowing knowing Chuck's Twitter presence and his blog and you know how he thinks about things. at least you know the the thought processes that he is willing to show the public. Um, you know, I, I can definitely understand that it could have been more difficult for him to get into Han's head. Yeah. This is me telling you to listen to Kate when she says read Chuck's blog. Um, <laughs> but just generally, because it's great. Yeah, I guess I didn't really give my opinion. I, I wasn't that flummoxed by the Han here because I think he was, he's in such... I don't want to say he's in such a different situation than we usually see him in, because we usually see him desperate as fuck, and we know he's at the end of his rope here, but for once, he's not super desperate, like, for something for himself. Mm-hmm. He's super desperate because, like, he cares about Chewie more than, like, he cares about anything. Right, but yeah. I was, I was th- going to say- That's also just, like, me and how I read things, and I, I usually give the author the benefit of the doubt. Sure. Like I'm, I'm, I have a less critical eye usually, especially when I'm reading for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think that's just because, like, I studied English and I hate reading things with a critical eye. <laughs> I'm like, let me just enjoy the fucking book. <laughs> um, but that's also why I like doing this with you guys, because it's like I can obviously see and agree with your beefs with um, with the way that um, Wendy wrote Han in this book. But I was like, I don't know. It's just because, like, he's, like, super fucking desperate and nobody wants to help him save the Wookiees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I... Definitely the stakes were different, um, and that's raising the point out. Um, I was just, I just like uh, a com- vague, vaguely relevant sidebar, but like for I, I also as, as if you've listened for a while, y'all know I have a, I have a degree in uh, English and creative writing, and for the longest time after I graduated, I just could not read because I couldn't enjoy it because like, Keeks, as you said, like my brain was just permanently on let's analyze this mode, and I just like wanted to die anytime I opened a book. <laughs> That's, like, part of why, yeah, I feel like I was like that for a lot uh, after, right after school, too, and I wasn't even a major, I was a minor, (laughs) and then I was like, I can't even read anymore, like, I fucking hate this, I have to read, like, nonfiction, I can't, I can't, like, read, I have to read stuff about, like, animals, I can't read anything (laughs) that's, like, a novel. (laughs) At least you did that. Kind of. I mean, it, it, it came and went, but, I mean, like, I feel like that's one of the great things about us doing this pod is like it's gotten me so much more used to just like reading which yeah. sounds really stupid but no it doesn't i t- i totally agree i mean i uh, to 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 my utter embarrassment i was really not doing a whole fuck ton of reading um in like the uh, three four years between graduating and starting this podcast and um you know doing this obviously is for fun but also has been kind of a gateway to me um reading other shit when i have time because i'm the slowest reader known to man but yes <laughs> good good things uh there's one other thing okay there are two other things actually that i just wanted to point out that were again these are quibbles um because overall i really enjoyed this book um but just two things i noticed um number one is that again this is the second book of a trilogy and um my sense always with um the second part parts of trilogies is that they are largely setting up what is going to happen in the third book and it's like and it's not that shit didn't happen in this book like sometimes i will literally read second parts of trilogies and be like what the fuck was the point of that (laughs) um like this could have been a two-book series and like what what the hell um but i did feel like there were places that were i don't want to say dead space but it felt like it could be tightened up a little bit in places in terms of the plot um you know there the there was a lot of build-up, for example, at the beginning of the book with that mission bet- with Nora and her team to, um... God, what the fuck is that guy's disgusting-ass name? Sluss and Kanker. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a fantastic, terrible name. Oh, God. It's really... It's basically just name a Moist. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like Moist Mouth Sore. It's basically what that dude's <laughs> name is. Thanks, guys. That's fucking great. Anyway, um, you know, obviously I understand what the point of that part was. You know, it's the show, um, you know, establish, number one, establish characters for, I don't know, these fucking weirdos who probably skipped the first book. I don't know why you would ever do that, but people do. Just jump into the middle of the series like monsters. Um, You know, establish where they are, um, you know, different from the end of the first book. 
um, what they've been doing, what the team dynamic is like, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, there's a, there's, a of, there's a lot of things that went on in that portion uh, that, uh, I don't know. I just, it was, there's just a lot of going on that I didn't really feel like had a lot of bearing on the rest of the book. And, you know, it ends on this cliffhanger where you're just like, oh my god, are they going to get shot down by a TIE fighter? And then, like, three chapters later, like, nothing happens. And it's kind of like, what? And then, you know, Ray, Ray Sloan has these moments as well where she, um, you know, I, I think about the part where she's on Coruscant trying to get um, dirt on Rax. And um, while it's really cool and interesting to see what a war zone Coruscant is, I really, I, I did feel like, you know, if it had been me, when it wasn't, because I'm not famous and I don't make money off of my writing, really. Uh, so, you know, this is all just me just talking out of my ass, but I, I did feel like that. If it had been me, I would have tightened that up, but that's neither here nor there, like I said. Yeah, I'll be really interested to see as, you know, as the canon continues to grow over the next, you know, five, ten years, and we get more series, what this feels like this if we do deal with this trilogy problem because it's absolutely a thing that you see in movies and other books all the time in other ips oh yeah absolutely i mean chris we have this discussion every so often of um the rare usually with movies like the rare film series where the second movie is actually stronger than the first one yeah and, and there's like two yeah there's and, like and one of them is star wars yeah of the original trilogy yeah <laughs> Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, What are you talking about? Episode 2 is the best oh my God. of the entire Star Wars canon. You can't rank them because they're all great in their own way. Attack of the Clones. <laughs> God, it's the worst movie. Anyway, sorry. Also, no talking off the pod. Keep going. Um, <laughs> can, but, I, can I die right now? But, but no, Kate, you're absolutely right. And I, it'll be interesting because the... The other series that we have to compare it to is the Thrawn series, and that obviously we have not read this. Will I think we should come back to this question once we have? But yes. for me, just talking about my reaction to the book, the Thrawn series felt so much more, or the second Thrawn book, Thrawn Alliances, felt so much more original and like it had stakes than the first one because the first one to me basically felt like, and we talked about this a little bit at the time, it kind of felt like a built-out Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um just because that's what the project was like i don't it right. was it was well written i don't that was the point yeah totally. i don't begrudge tim's on for it but that's just kind of how the book read right and to me thrawn alliances is so different from that and so it's just interesting to see all these different contexts come into play and the different challenges at work here and so i i look forward to kind of getting more uh getting more material to work with to see if this you know, is a problem that we, you know, kind of continue to see happen in the canon if the canon maybe goes away from trilogies in book series and, you know, starts doing more self-contained books as we've seen or more longer series. Uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, God. Oh, okay. Um, and this is not to, like, you know pit timothy zong chuck one day against each other like you know that timothy zong wrote you know uh, oh not at all what, yeah you know what you felt was a better second book than his first book in his series or anything like that like we love all our star wars children equally and uh, and like you know this is just 
we're, we're talking about writing. So. Oh, absolutely. God, they would be, of all the authors in Star Wars, they would be like the most impossible to like directly compare to each other because they're just so different. Right? I would, I mean, I'm sure they've met each other because of cons and stuff, but I would love to, for all, all I want is for them to like, have like a like a magazine spread or whatever the fucking Star Wars Insider or, or on dot com where they just interview each other because that'd be really fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Make them fight. Make them. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Um, but yeah, they're just they're yeah no uh, to second Kate. We're not, I'm I'm very much not trying to pit them against each other. I think they both are exceptionally good at what they do and very well deserved creators in this universe. And go about it in a very different way. And it's just interesting to look at the different methods. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so there's one last thing I want to talk about on the topic of writing. And this is um, a little bit of... Um, comes from a little bit from a conversation that I was having with... Um, at Space Jess. Um, one of the co-hosts of Rebel Girl. Um, from the Making Star Wars Network. Um, and she and I uh, talk about books a lot. And uh, we were talking one time about what makes it hard for us to get into certain books or certain writer styles um, or whatever else. And she was telling me that um, while she really, really enjoys Chuck Wendig's books, they're um, ones that she finds it a little more difficult to settle into than other folks. Um, and I, we, were, we were, you know, we were talking a little bit about, you know, why that might be. And so, of course, I am a butt, so I had to pull out my all of my fancy uh, um, fiction writing training that I got in my fancy university and whatever the fuck, because I'm insufferable. Um, but uh, when I was in workshop, um, one of the things that I was most probably critiqued on, especially by my... Um, my current mentor who is helping me apply to grad school. Thanks, Akshay. You're never going to listen to this. That's okay. Yeah, there's a 0% chance he's listening that to this. That is fine. He shouldn't. He's the best. Though. No one should, really. We've told you all that many times. This is on you That's at this point. Absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, he is the best. Um, but one of the things that I was always criticized on was that um, I have a lot of trouble getting out of my own way. And what I mean by that is... Um, I like, in the act of writing, you know, just making it really pretty. Like, I like, I, 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 I pat myself on the back for clever turns of phrase or especially poetic lines or, um, you know, these, like, really obvious metaphors that I think are so fucking clever and they're not because you can see them coming a mile away and these, it's all, all this kind of garbage. Um, and so my writing oftentimes gets in the way of my story. Or my characterization, or you know, the the fundamentals of the thing that would actually, you know, hold up the house as opposed to you know, I, I I'm putting the garnish on things and not actually building a foundation necessarily. And I'm I I you know, again, I'm not like a super accomplished novelist like Chuck Wendig is, but there were moments where I did feel like in the actual writing, like on a sentence level. Um, there were some flourishes that kind of, like, called attention to themselves, and it pulled me out of the reading experience. And, you know, I'm not saying that um, these were writing things that were, you know, making it, like, not in my writing where it was, like, fundamentally, like, making it hard, like, to tell a story or anything like that, but there were just, set, there are moments where he's describing things, um, 
or, you know, or describing someone's thoughts or motives or something like that. And he'll just um, kind of use, like, really chuck language. And while every writer should have a voice, it sounded, maybe it's because I follow him on Twitter and I read his blog too much, but it was just like, oh, this is, this is Chuck, like, not putting his fingerprints all over it. He's, like, taking, um, you know, some berry juice and just, like, slathering his handprint, like, all over this page. <laughs> um, so, though, th- I, <coughs> bless you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, those were, those were places where I was just like, eh, you know, not, this is not my favorite thing ever. Yeah, it's interesting. I, it's, I feel like it's, and this is another thing that I can't wait to see what people do, particularly in film, but also in books, mm-hmm. is just to see the creative stamps that people get to put on their participation in this universe. Because, like, the part of the whole thing is that, like, there's all these different creators and the story group isn't telling them what to do and they can do whatever they want and the story group is kind of just there as like a guiding hand and like that's ambitious first of all and potentially awesome but it also comes with these moments that may feel incongruous like right like i don't want any everyone to be telling stories exactly the same way because that's the opposite of the point of them doing all of this you know right and especially in introducing um more martial art more marginalized writers like, you know, Daniel Jose Older, uh, Justina Ireland is writing some um, world middle grade book. Um, you know, obviously that's important, but like it was, it was, it was bits that were so stylistic that they felt detrimental to the reading experience. Like we felt incongruous to the rest of the writing mm-hmm. and that's what bugged me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see what you mean. I, I, I don't know if I agree, because to me, part of... I I don't know that I disagree. I just don't know. Because to me, I think you're definitely right. I can envision passages where you're absolutely right. But to me, also, part of the interesting thing about this series is specifically how he writes it. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm... I'm interested to get more examples of how different creators do this, both in the books and in films. Like, we're probably going to look back on Last Jedi and be like, that is a Ryan Johnson movie. For sure. Versus, like, the I prequels, mean, which are very George Lucas, and or, Empire Strikes Back, which, with respect, is not George Lucas. Or TFA, which is very J.J. Abrams. No lens flare, though. That's true. It's not, it's not as J.J. Abrams as Star Trek. You're right. It's for damn sure. You're right. Um, that is a... <sighs> that is a bad robot film. Oh um, my god. But you fucking people. <laughs> um but no, but I I absolutely see what you mean and I'm I I don't know. I need more evidence. I I I don't need more evidence that you're right. I need more I'm making hand he's motions. Talking which to is listen, he's he's talking to listen to himself talk is what yep, I'm saying. Is, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> so, I'm going to tell you to shut the fuck up. Peaks, so I'll, I'll I'll let you get a word in I twice. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. Um I don't actually don't have a ton to add. I mean like part of why i mean i said it already i said my disclaimer um i tend not to talk as much on these parts of wrap-ups um with specific criticism of the writing unless i have like big outside feelings um because i mean like i said i like to give the author the benefit of the doubt and i like to enjoy the reading so i mean i think uh i i really enjoy chuck's writing um i too follow chuck 
on social, etc. Um, so I, I can say that the writing did feel very chuck. Um, but I, I mean, whether or not that was detrimental to, to the book, uh, I was not so in my head about it. <laughs> sure. Um, but I mean, I'm ex- I'm excited to read the next installment and see how that kind of compares um, with our criticisms of of this book. Mm-hmm. Definitely, absolutely. All right, uh, should I jump jump into social media? Yeah, let's do it. We got so many good questions. We did. Some of them more lighthearted than others. Yeah, we 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 range from uh, the first the first question uh, <laughs> that I'm gonna read to uh, just me wanting to lie on the floor and start wailing. Uh, so. Uh, our first question, uh, I batched these together because several people asked us about this, uh, but the first one was Airsets Ash, um, of Clashing Sabers, and she also hosts the Starships podcast, which is all about relationship shipping in Star Wars. Um, she says, uh, how do you feel about Bearded Han Solo, followed by, uh, Pod Dad, Brian Larson, Lane Winry, Han's beard, yes or no? And uh, Emphis Nest, Emma, who is one of the uh, co-hosts of South Sk- Skywalkers, uh, who said, Dead beards, discuss. Thanks, guys. God. Yes. <laughs> and also, fuck you, Brian. You made me talk about this on the uh, the episode of Taji Stays in Brewhouse that we recorded last night. Wow, so. way to scoop us. Way to scoop your own network, <sighs> Brian. <laughs> I know, right? He was like, tell me, tell me your opinions on Han's beard. I was like... I saw this in the outline. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I haven't listened. I haven't listened to that episode of the Brew House, but um, it's you, you. It's the one where you made the the big spear, right? Yes, you got it. Okay. Um, with uh, Star Wars explained, explains. Explain. I know it's explained. just Star Wars exp- explain with no ed on Twitter, which is why I'm always confused yes. about what it's actually called. It's true. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Alex of uh, Star Star Wars explained. Um, yeah, it was actually uh, a wonderful little episode. That's the one for September. Um, yeah, we made a we made like a a strong like, porter type stout type big 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 stark lighter beer. <laughs> so um, that was really fun. If you have a chance to listen to that, that's uh, I co-host that with uh, Pod Dad, and uh, that comes out about once a month. So listen to it if you want. But, yeah. Um, I obviously said my opinion last night, which was, um, beards, yes, mustaches, no. <laughs> okay, but at the same time, like, are you pro chin strap? Like, how's this, how do you envision no. this working? No, chin straps are not beards. What's wrong I mean, with you? Beards. Chin straps are disgusting. I mean, chin I- Chin straps are not a thing that- The way you allowed. said that, Kristen, was beards, yes, mustaches, no. If you take those things at the same time. Oh my god. Things that are not beards. Goatees. Chin straps. Other disgusting facial hair. Beards are full beards. That's it. Poor early Kanan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was the next (laughs) Listen. Goatees are disgusting usually. That's true. Yes. Don't make the rules. (laughs) Um, So... Um, on the subject of Han Solo's beard, we have seen visually his this beard that he has grown uh, during uh, whatever the fuck, dur- either before Life Dead or during it or whatever the hell. Um, we see him with this with this beard in the Battlefront game during the level where he plays him, and he's on Taco Donna trying to um, get information out of what's his face annoying guy about the Wookiees. Um, and so, because I have a visual aid, 
and I've seen the visual aid. Hell no, that was a nasty beard. It's not a great beard. He needed beard oil real bad. <laughs> yeah. So for me, for me, the answer is no to the beard itself, but yes to the concept of the beard. Because, all right, hear me out. Don't give me that look. Hear me out. No, no, because 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 what from what I saw in Battlefront, Han Solo cannot actually like grow a beard. No, I I am not defending his execution. <laughs> Much like many of Han's plans, I don't think the beard went according to it. Oh my god! What However, he looked like was before I told you beard oil existed and I told you you look like a hobo and you need to fucking get some. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, but the beard reason oil I like saves lives. It yes, does. it's true. Um. Oh, there's also, sorry, this is a side note for you, Chris, in case you don't know about it, not that you need it. Um, there's something called Amish Beard Balm. Oh! Um, and it's great for in between if you if your beard is getting too too oily from everyday application of beard oil. It's just uh, like a little balm that you can put in it that's a little bit lighter. Um, cool. But it's similar. That cool. is great. I've that actually heard of it. That is very good to know. Quit. <laughs> I get it for Quinn. That's adorable. <laughs> that's why I know things. So cute. Anyway, so why I like the concept of Hans Beard, just jumping right back in, uh, why I like the concept of Hans Beard is just because, like, to me, like, I think one of the funniest unspoken parts of Han Solo's character is how immaculately groomed he is and how, like, just truly vain he seems to be, if oh, like, yeah. from the moment we meet him in A New Hope. Like, he knows exactly how good he looks. He's got the racing stripe down his pants. Which I know has significance in Legends, but it doesn't in canon. God help me. Um, and, like, he he is he is here to look good. <laughs> like, that is his purpose. He's the eye candy. He he is... he. You know what? Luke's the brain, sweetheart. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. But... And so, to me, I love the concept of Han, who is sneakily... Like a scruffy looking nerf herder. Yeah, secretly like combing all of his hairs to perfection and like shaving every morning, no matter what. Like, just no matter what's happening. Versus scruffy. Being nerf so well, being so distraught over Chewie that he just like finally let like this is what pushes oh. him over the edge oh. to like no longer care about his look. Oh. So I just like that. That's my head cannon. Oh. I mean, I don't know how much it's head cannon because. He has a beard in this, and then he doesn't have a beard in the future. But Aww. that's my rationalization. Oh, that's cute. I think he's like a lazy piece of shit, so he stopped shaving. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's like what I do when I'm out of town away from my partner. God bless. I <laughs> I'm mean, like, I will never shave my legs again. <laughs> and then I come home and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, it has gotten to a point. <laughs> yeah, to be, to be fair, he's been away from Leia for a while. He's just like, yeah, fuck it. We're, we're married. I don't need to care anymore. We're done here. <laughs> yep. Uh, oh, my God. Um, and again, like I said, uh, jumping from lighthearted questions such as dad beards, uh, vacillating right into just punching us in the feels. Again, Emma, uh, her real question, quote unquote real question, uh, how do you feel... Um, Han and Chewie's relationship culminates in this book where they willingly part ways for the first time since Mimban about, fi- you know, about 15 years ago and how that parting is because they have their duty to their tribe and their families and Emma god damn it I am going to go I know that was so rude find like a bag to cry into I guess like Jesus I'm gonna mail you the tears because <laughs> I just 
How how do I feel about this? Insert wailing noise. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, what the fuck did we do to you, Jesus? <laughs> we well well. To be fair, we our, our episode was being a bitch on Stitcher, so. Ah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and she told us about it. She's that's, like, guys, that's what we did. Yeah, it is. She uh, knew. She yeah, could we tell. all f- we all feel upset. It gets us right in the feels. And how dare you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I just can I? I like this is an audio medium, so I can't insert a gif of dying whale, a dying whale just flopping around. But that's how I feel. A dying pergle. Uh, uh, um, but no, I mean, I think <laughs> honestly, I think Emma just hit the nail on the head like i think that chewie and han are found family in the strongest possible sense of the term and they've been living in a world where they didn't have blood for lack of a better term family and now they're living in a world where that's starting to change and it just is part of growing up and it's part of reckoning with who you're not just who you are but who you're going to become um it makes it makes me less sad because we know that not only do they stay in touch, but also, you know, two years later, they're back together again in Last Shot. I bet they hollow all the time. Oh, they they absolutely hollow all the time. I mean, we know from Bloodline that, you know, Leia, like, says, like, you know, had, you know, I wonder how Chewie's doing, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I don't think, you know, it's certainly not a situation where it's like they never see each other from this to when Ben goes bad. Right. Before force awakens but absolutely it's i think it's it's a um it's a watershed moment yeah definitely and the, and the way chewy is immediately just like oh wait are your people in trouble like let me come and nikon's like no 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 like he has to be like no you're fucking staying here and that's the end of it yeah like it's just um my feelings i know it's very it's a good subversion of the trope right because you like you always have the trope in like male-female pairings in... I feel like this happens a lot in science fiction, but I also just feel like it's a very literary trope of, like, choosing between, you know, the boyfriend and, like, parents or siblings or something. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, um, like, you kind of... Uh, I don't know. I feel like you have this recurring plot line and all these things where, you know, there's this... Something's happening, and, you know, the solution is... They go together and they like, you know, are able to, you know, work together to fix it both. And in this one, it's like, it's just a subversion of that in that this is, you know, completely like they like, very like love each other, like very deeply. And I mean, fixing it is splitting up. Yeah. And fixing it is splitting up and fixing it is knowing that, you know, and like, again, that trope of like loving them is letting them go. Like. Han is letting Chewie go. Han is saying, you need to do this. Like, we can't just keep galvanting around the galaxy. We have things to do. And, like, it's just... It's it just... It, it's just perfect. It feels fitting. Totally. Definitely. You mean it's better that they didn't just kill Chewie off because they didn't know what to do with them? I don't know. I think they should have whacked him with a moon. It's, yes, it's, it's better that Chewie did not get hit with a moon. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> oh... My fucking god. It also kind of makes you wonder what bad shape Han must have been in after Ben went bad. The Chewie's like, sure, we can go smuggling again. Like, that's, like, that's a best friend. Yeah. Holy fuck. It just, it, it makes, I mean, this the scene in TFA where Han dies is already horrible enough, but Chewie's, it just makes Chewie's reaction so much worse. Oh god, the 
just, kill me. Just feel the pain sitting here right now. Anyway, Emma, thanks for the crash question. No, I'm kidding. Actually, yeah. that was a, no, that was a legitimately great. No one's ever allowed to send us questions to make us feel ever again. Oh my god, that was a great observation. Thank you for sending that in for us to discuss. Um, a few things we um, got questions about that we discussed off last episode. So, um, Shannon and Nancy want us wanted us to um, talk about um, that Sinker Condor moment um, and why Sinker's so mean to himself, and we we talked about that, but also just like. Let me continue to cry. <laughs> for, uh, like, continue to cry from Emma's question. That's that's just fucking fine. Um, and um, Southern Cynic and Tyler wanted us to talk about um, Sloan and Rax and Adea, and we, we did talk about that, but also, like, Team Sloan all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. I mean, is there any other team? No. Exactly. Team Leia, maybe, sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> We 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 talked during this book about how that's a closer team than you think it is. Hell yeah, man. Um, Celestial Intent, Adriana, um, she would like us to talk about um how Armitage Hux is um an illegitimate child and how that changes how we might think about blah, blah, blah. sorry, I just butchered your question, Adriana. Changes how we might view his motivations, um, such as him killing his father and wanting to take over the first order. Oh my god, what a great Smart question. Thank you. Blah, blah, blah. I swear to God. <laughs> I s- swear unto Jesus. <laughs> it was a really good question. <laughs> that warranted. All right, never mind. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. Yeah, it warranted a medium air horn. Okay. A medium. Air horn. <laughs> uh, but it oh, is, let me die. <laughs> it's. I mean, again, I think. Guys, these are really more comments than questions. <laughs> oh my god! Um, but no, I think it's exactly right. Like, I think you know, you look at that first Shadow Council meeting where, like, Brendel is embarrassed by Armitage. Yeah, and it explains so much um, about what we see in, for example, Phasma, where you know, it explains so much about their acrimonious relationship and why. Um, they hate each other, but also, you know, Armitage is Brendel's only child, and so he's his, his natural heir, even though he's illegitimate, and, you know, appearances are so important in the Empire slash First Order, and all of that. That's just, you know, it, 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 shine, it shines such a, such an important light on Armitage's character. Um, but yeah, no, I mean... When you're groomed to take over for somebody who hates you, and so therefore you hate them, um, but you're also their heir, and you're also trained to be ruthless. Like, there's all this stuff that goes into how Armitage winds up killing Brendel in Phasma, and how grotesque and painful it is. Like, on a physical level for Brendel. Yeah, and we're gonna get more of this in Empire's End. There's a lot more Brendel and some of the Armitage relationship. But yeah, I mean, and it's it also just gives you a view into how not just Hux's ruling philosophy, but like the way that Brendel treats children and trains children and why he's necessary for Rex's plan and the creation of the First Order. And we know a little bit of it because we talked about it in Phasma, how, you know, kind of gross his methods are, frankly. Yeah. And he, he made a monster. He, yeah, he absolutely, and he had no qualms about it because mm-hmm. he didn't see Armitage as his, you know, a son worth being proud of. When has that ever turned out badly, Chris? Never. Not ever. 
<laughs> not in history, not in fiction. Nice. Nope. Sorry, I have nothing important to add. Just, like, little asshole clips. I mean, those are worthwhile. I don't care. Thank you so much. Do not encourage me, though. <laughs> Moving right along. Um, Our uh, lovely Tashi Station colleague, uh, Manda the Ginger, had a whole lot of feelings. Um, and she said there's a whole thread of um, just... General thoughts um, about uh, how she felt about this book. Um, one of uh, so I just want to pull some of those out. Um, one of them uh, talking uh, about Leia and, <laughs> and and her being pregnant, and you know, man is a mom, and uh, she's got she's got two boys, and so she uh, took 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 some issue with uh, Chuck making Leia. <laughs> sleep outdoors while she was five months pregnant which i kind of understand like i feel like like keeks and i have a really good friend who's pregnant right now and um you know she's uh obviously we're real happy for her and like we were really excited that she's including us on her her journey you know with the growing a human and all that stuff but you know she um one of the reasons why she's so great is that um i will i i i have no filter or anything as y'all know so i will i will ask her lots of like intrusive like science biology questions about what it is like to be pregnant she's all too happy to answer them because she's a wonderful person um but she has told me all kinds of weird shit about being pregnant which kind of it doesn't sound the worst but it sounds really weird like literally it is kind of like alien and there's a thing growing inside you and you can feel it moving around and stuff and uh she she's almost due but i remember like back around Probably kicks back around five months is probably when she wound up telling us, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and like already even at that time she was just like, yeah, like he's kicking and like I can feel him moving around and like just like he wakes me up in the night like poking me and stuff and I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't super want to go camping under those conditions. I don't know about you, man. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm actually like happy that she's sharing this that stuff with us because it gave me a different perspective um when I was reading this book. Oh god, <laughs> I yeah. Was like, uh, I was like, "Oh, interesting." Like, cuz that I think that's probably like the closest I've come. Like I've I've had acquaintances get pregnant and and have kiddos, but um I I think the the person that we're talking about is uh very frank and open with us which is amazing because we all have like a ton of questions of the folks that she like chose to tell mm -hmm. um so i like had a a different uh, just richer experience i think reading leia's pregnant experience in this book mm -hmm. um than i would have if i if i hadn't had a friend going through that at the moment oh yeah ab absolutely i <laughs> i just you know, I I I, th I think about it a lot because um, yeah, it just sounds she like I said she's almost due, and um, yeah, man, being pregnant is weird. It's like a whole lot of like hurry up and wait. It's like, uh, I want to get pregnant. I want to get pregnant. Yeah, I'm pregnant. And then you're just kind of sitting around and trying to eat the correct things and freaking out and buying baby stuff for what seems like forever. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm about to poop out a baby. Oh God, I'm about to poop out a baby. So. <laughs> Good, you can so get why Leia just feels so cooped up in this one. I mean, in addition to the fact that she's being sidelined by her friends. Mm -hmm. But you can sitting around and waiting for things to happen is not Leia's strong suit. Yeah, totally. I mean, 
Leia would be the kind of person to go camping while pregnant, but also, oh lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Leia and Anakin both just, like, sitting around, not being told anything, um, just, like, not going uh, after some... They love being told no. Um, yeah, so, like, it's that's definitely true of both of them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm preg Anakin. <laughs> I hate you so much, Chris. <laughs> I... So, uh, Keeks and I and our pregnant friend and, so, and and our friend Molly the Ghost are all in a friend slack because we talk so much. Um, but literally, the, Chris, the first rule of, the, of of that slack is no empreg. No empreg. No empreg. I was going to say that. No fucking empreg. It's a good rule. <sighs> all right. The other thing that I wanted to pull out from uh, Manda's series of um, very insightful comments is she says she would have loved to have seen more of Chewie's reaction to Leia being pregnant because around five months you actually start showing. Um, and so he probably would have been able to tell um, if Han hadn't told him already or whatever the hell. Um, especially uh, in light of the fact that, you know, Han's running around um, in the original trilogy being like, I'm not in love with the princess. Like her worshipfulness can go and just like fucking whatever. I don't. I don't care. I'm cool. I'm real cool about it. And just I don't really have anything to say about this comment uh, other than her agree. Like <laughs> I would have loved that. Like I want more of Uncle. Like we taught. We had Uncle Wanwo in uh, <laughs> the last shot, and I want Uncle Chewie up in here. Yeah, I. We don't get enough of Chewie's reactions to anything. And we talked about this a little bit in Last Shot and how we really enjoyed how Chewie was written and how he was included in Last Shot. But, like, it's it's a shame that he is such a hard character to write for obvious reasons. Um, because, you know, he, he does have these just such deep relationships and this depth of experience that the other characters don't have oh, fuck yeah. through everything he's seen. He's a wise elder and all that. He is. And so it, you know, it, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this and so many other things because I wish we got more of Chewie's thoughts and opinions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. Um, this is a question, uh, from, again, from Space Jess. Um, she actually asked this with the first book and then forgot that, uh, the thing she was asking a question about wasn't mentioned in the first book. So I told her we would save it. Um, but she wanted us to talk about um, the interlude with the um, disabled veteran who is, he gets um, a therapy droid, which I think is a great idea, by the way. And it's, it kind of sounds a little bit like a BB-8 type situation, <laughs> which like, who wouldn't want that? That's fucking adorable. Um, but the doctor offers... Um, him the alternative of having um, basically an emotional support Ewok and she wanted us to talk about that because um, it's a little messed up that Ewoks are um, a sentient you know full civilization and they're being offered up as basically puppies for these people so my headcanon and this is purely rationalization to make it more okay right I also like not to put Words in Joseph's mouth. She didn't actually. I. I don't. Uh. She, again, she asked this a while ago, and I forgot to like copy paste it. Then I don't necessarily know if she used like so many words, but that's the uh, general gleaning I took from her question. Yeah, so. that's the gist, and I've I've also, even if that wasn't your point, I've seen that 
feeling before in the fandom. Mm-hmm. Um, my rationalization is that it was specifically noted that the Ewoks offered as, you know, as a thank you for saving their planet that they offered to come and help veterans with recovery. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is a conscious choice that they're making. It's not like they were kidnapped. Sure. Um, and my headcanon is that they're not just puppies, but they're more like caregivers and caretakers in a more traditional sense in that, you know, maybe they help around the house and help with therapy and like, you know, sure they're good for cuddles, but you know, they're also good for making cat fine and and calf and things like that. <laughs> oh my God. So, so that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the way I'm seeing it in my head. That's so cute. But also, I mean, it's still, I mean, I, yeah, like that they're volunteering, I think is an important point. It's just, I understand why it feels a little squeaky that they're in a more serving kind of role. I very much, I very much reconcile it with the Dana Jose Older Pikpa School of Ewok capabilities rather than the kind of primitive view that we get in return of the jedi yeah if i if i hadn't read lush up before this then i probably have also would have wanted to like set this description on fire a little bit but you know we see Pika and her gratitude towards chewy um for saving her sister and i'm like think framing it in terms of that you know if that's why they want to help out yeah hey i mean yeah maybe they maybe Ma- there are some ewoks who have feel calling to be an in-home nurse oh uh, see my my more th- my thought was like these are Ewoks with PTSD being paired with veterans that have PTSD. Oh, Ooh, that would also be cute. That would also be really nice. Because there's a shitload of Ewoks that have PTSD. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. There. All right. So there's, I. It is a very fair opinion to be concerned about this, but there's ways to headcanon it to make it work. Sure. I just, you know, obviously we don't know what Chuck meant by it, but you know, I choose to read it in a nice way. I fucking love Ewoks. I know Jess doesn't love Ewoks, but I love Ewoks. I love Ewoks. <laughs> no, I love Ewoks. I had an Ewok beer last night. There's another one. So- oh, uh, Chris put it on our Instagram. I yeah. did. Go look at my Ewok beer. He's an angry Ewok, but he's very cute. I loved it. <laughs> All right. Um, so last uh, kind of listener question. So... This was actually a question that Emma asked in um, regards to Last Shot, um, and it's about droids, and obviously it, you know, it makes sense why she asked it for Last Shot, because of, you know, the the, uh, the plot is so droid-centric. Um, but I think it works kind of here as well, just because we have Mr. Bones as a character, so Emma, if you don't mind, I'm gonna, like, you know, just stick it in here. Um... So she was asking how we felt about the fact that, you know, we have characters like L3, um, we have droids who are basically sentient, but also, um, uh, in large part, droids are seen as, you know, servants. Um, they're not seen by humans, like, in-universe as being sentient. Um, you know, and we've, you know, we, L3 is really the first droid who's just, like, all, like, droid rights- sort of thing um whereas you know in other we've talked about other books where bad things happen to droids and i'm always just kind of like um well somebody think about the droids like no one really talks about this um so in terms of that i wanted to talk about mr bones a little bit um so 
Um, first question that I'm extrapolating from them is, is how do we feel about the fact that droids are still treated as just like kind of still like, or not treated, maybe not always treated as, but really thought of as kind of like objects in Star Wars universe as opposed to, you know, fully fledged beings. And then um, the second part of this question is, you know, in terms of Mr. Bones, um, uh, he's kind of a little bit of um, a character who represents Temin's growth as a character um, and how he changes and who it, who or what is Mr. Bones to Temin exactly? I think to Temin he's more of an L3 style partner, mm-hmm. but I think others view him as a pet. Mm-hmm. Like your droid. You know, where's your droid? Mm-hmm. Where's that weird droid? Mm-hmm. Like there is, I, I don't, in the eyes of others, I don't think Bones has an identity outside of Temin. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of big thoughts on this. <laughs> I know I should. Well, I mean, like we've done, we've done a lot of discussion of discussions about droids, and we've seen all manner of droids, from like mouse droids up through like, um, what's that fucking inventory droid in Rebels? AP five. AP five. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, who is like a fucking asshole? And <laughs> I mean, like. It's so interesting because we have so many droids are so vast and so varied and there are so many different types of droids. It's like, I don't know whether or not we get to lump them all into one thing, but also it feels like wrong not to give them all like the same elevated rights that they should probably have since Mm -hmm. they're sentient. Right. I think, I think probably the line we have to draw is in terms of, like, programming. Like, is it this, is it a conveyor belt? Or is it, like, a droid that's built to be, you know, have a purpose but also be more or less autonomous? Mm -hmm. Because I'm thinking of, like, the, of uh, MSC-13 and men. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, he, that droid was more of, like, a command prompt like less of a personality more of a just like a programming but i don't know where that droid would fall in terms of like what we're talking about now right i think we feel probably sympathetic toward that droid which um is um one is a character in one of the short services from a certain point of view um i uh, i don't know if we feel sympathetic toward that droid because of who the droid is versus what he witnesses. So yeah, mm. so that's hard. That that's definitely Great point. a hard one. Um, yeah, on this topic, like um, just broadly speaking, I would love to see more droid characters like L three, or at least have like the things that she's concerned about discussed. Because Jesus Christ, like we're finally being able to discuss these things and. Uh, one of the things that did disappoint me on screen was how not super seriously she was taken, like how much she was played for laughs. Um, and then in terms of Mr. Bones, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that um, Temin uh, literally, like he acknowledges that he programmed Bones, but a lot of it, he didn't know what he was doing because when he made this Wayne destroyed or reprogrammed it or whatever the hell, like, He's 15 in this book. He was younger than that when he created Bones. Um, 
so a lot of it uh, almost feels like it was left up to chance, you know, almost almost like the way, you know, sentient, like, organic beings are um, a product of, like, random genetic happenstance, almost. So that's kind of an interesting aspect to Bones. And then the other thing is that um, his design changes um, in this book. Uh, Temin says that, you know, he's got some shitty dents in him and he doesn't really want to pop out the dents so he just um, cuts his bones' like outer covering, I guess, into um, basically ribs. And I think, I don't know how much of this was intentional, but like symbolically, you know, I feel like it's, you know, Temin kind of, first of all, you know, coming into his own um, and knowing begin starting to know who he is and what he wants to do and he's wants to become a pilot he wants to be he wants to be bones he wants to be a killer he wants to be fierce he wants to um you know be effective but at the same time um you know bones used to have like a whole bunch of stuff hanging off of him he used to have literally have bones hanging off of him and Tim takes them all of those off and he um makes bones into a skeleton and it's kind of him starting to basically peel off the layers that um all these walls that he's built up, you know, between him and his mom and him and other people. And he's like literally stripping himself down, um, which I think is an interesting aspect. Um, and yeah, Chris, I think it's, it's interesting. Bones' relationship with Temin, because again, he built this droid when he was a kid and he knows he built this droid, but it's almost like kids having an imaginary friend, you know, it feels like it, they're, that's their friend. Like that feels really real to them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I think you hit the nail on the head. In the, on the head, and the only thing that I'll add is this is I'm a broken record this episode because this is another thing that I really want to see. Star, I, I think there's so much room here for Star Wars to just get more into this subject and the subject of droid sentience and droid rights and handle it in a serious way and not in a way that makes a female droid a punchline for wanting liberation. Hastings. Um, that's a different issue, but, <laughs> but, fire. um, but I think that there's so much room for this issue and indeed non-human liberty and sentience, um, uh, that is just still has room to be tackled in Star Wars. And I hope that we get more of it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kristen, this is, um, your point. Uh, you wanted, uh, we had a lot of, uh, problems or not problem. We were, we were we were screaming a little bit at some of the uh, the the not queer ships in this book and uh, Keeks, you wanted to rank them, so let's do it. Yeah, it's because they're fucking trash. <laughs> the ships in this book are goddamn trash. <laughs> you know what? I put I put Wedge and Nora first, but it could be like Nora and Brainchips Brent Brainchipped Brenton. They're even sadder than Wedge and Nora. Oh, and Wedge and Nora are so sad. Oh my- what? Where's the lie? <laughs> um, cl- followed closely behind by uh, Jas and Jom, who have almost the same name. Um, and their just couple like name to is hate Jom. each other. Did you just say yes, that? The- their couple name is Jom. Jam? Jom? Jom. It's definitely Jom. Oh, I would say it's Jam. Okay. I'll take it. I'm still angry about it. <laughs> Um and then no, I'm just like, thinking of Parks and Rec. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. 
see, I'm like the Nora ships, Jass and Jom, <laughs> and then like Rax and Rite Aid, which is like <laughs> its own horrible, like abusive piece of shit thing that I'm sure we're gonna we are learning nothing else about because Rite Aid's dead. But <laughs> how is like the v- abusive relationship gonna be like the least? Annoying of all the ships in this book. I know. Is my question. Like most problematic, because, least like, personally uh, annoying. I know. Like I don't understand why, like, but what the fuck? It, and like the wedge. Why is Wedgenora so annoying? It's like they hold hands, they have one kiss one time, and then Wedge is like, "I don't want your mom to think that you're getting bad language through me." <laughs> like someone fucking launched me into the sun. <laughs> uh, oh my god! Yeah. Wedge, Wedge and Nora really are just in middle school, and he it's got, in the worst way. He got sad, like... It's the worst. He got, like, fucking the equivalent of, like, three sunflowers for her, and then she comes off this Millennium Falcon, and she's got her husband, and he's like, oh, man, and you can see the sunflowers just group, and I'm just like, fucking A. Yeah, fucking A is right. How, like... They're just, they're so sad. I mean, they're sure both Chuck, so sad. I know, like, why just... I'm sure Chuck did this on purpose. I mean, it's really good writing. That's why we hate them so much, but, like, fuck. I know, like, he, like clearly this was all on purpose and with a design, but I also just wanted to die every time I read that. D- did you guys disagree with my order at all? Or what What were your least favorite versus any that I listed here? I, I want to say that Rax and Adea are just kind of in a league of their own in terms of problematicness because it's actually abusive and like that's, that's just that just is what it is. Um, yeah, that is like I didn't mean like worships problematic wise. Yeah, I, we went over that, but you know what I mean. I think it's a highly problematic and like upsetting as well. God. So just to just to be clear, yes, yes. Um. I, oh god, like I like like I said, I think I was Keeks. I think I was texting you. I think I literally texted you. I hate every straight ship in this book. <laughs> yeah, they're trash. Um, but um, Jess and John, I was already fucking screaming because um, they're such a hot fucking mess. But um, I got to the wage and Nora bit, and I think I was just like, wow, I didn't think I could hate anything more than Jess and John, and then I got to this bit. <laughs> um, because I was just kind of like. Uh, this feels weird, and then like, and then and then like, Wedge made it more weird because he's Wedge and he's a sad sack, and then, oh god, I just, I my favorite part of that ship is Temin at the end doing failing at the flight simulator where he's training with Wedge, and he and he's just like, wait a minute, does Wedge have a thing for my mom? That's fucking weird. I'm like Temin, yes, it is fucking weird. Thank you. You're so right, Temin. I know, like. Yeah, no, and also, like, Nora and, like, Breton being, like, br- actually brainwashed, like, he's not actively brainwashed the entire time, obviously, because he's got a fucking inhibitor chip, but, like, I don't know. There's something real weird about it. I just, like, it's just, nah, I don't know what to say about it. Everything, everything about that is bad. Yeah, Wedge is just such a sad sack. Like, I'm really sad that the eras didn't work out such that we could get Wedge played by jimmy stewart doing full-on it's a wonderful life george bailey because that would be just chef's kiss <laughs> it's just such a sad sack oh my god that is oh that's perfect um the people are doing all the buying and the renting and the living and the dying in this galaxy etc i don't know I, I don't think i've mentioned this on the pod but it's a wonderful life is one of my favorite movies of all time even though like i know a lot of people hate it Fuck you if you hate it. Um, but I will literally... <laughs> That's fine, but fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
I had half a bottle of wine. I can say fuck you. Um, to those people. I wa- I literally watch it every Christmas. And so now I just want to fly on the floor and yell into a rug. So thanks for that, Chris. Yep. So welcome. Cool. Yeah, cool, I cool, cool. I agree that Wedge and Nora was my least favorite. Oh, I God. hated Rax and Rite Aid more than I hated Jas and John, personally. <laughs> That's fair. Because it was gross. Because it was gross. Jas and John so and John was redeemable for the single funny moment of Sinjur being like, if you hurt her, I will literally murder you. And John just like laughing in his face and being like, yeah, because she's the one who's going to get hurt in this relationship. <laughs> yeah. And then she wasn't. <laughs> the single, um, the single redeeming moment. Yes. Uh, um, Kate, do you want to go through all your Easter eggs? Because I don't think we wrote any down. I wrote a couple of these. Chris, I'll let you go first. Great. Yeah. I so do nothing. I just, I enjoyed. Um, I really enjoyed Masameta not believing that Palpatine was giving orders from beyond the grave because he was, as we know from Operation Cinder, mentioned in Battlefront Two and in the Shattered Empire Marvel miniseries. Um, I also. Uh, really liked, I don't recall owning a droid from the veteran on Hosnian Prime. Mm-hmm. That was fantastic. I love that a lot. Um, so I've got the rest of them because it's me. Um, obviously, Yvonne Verlaine is a character in this book. Uh, she first appears in the comics? Yes, she say. appears in the Princess Leia Marvel miniseries. Cool. Um, which made me... Happy that we've got another crossover character, a lady character, a badass pilot lady character, and an Alderanian because womp, most of them are dead. That thanks, Chris. So that was gonna be a sad womp womp noise, but then I like my voice died. So you just got awkward silence. No, just like that, just like that. No, no. We're so close. Push through. We can do this. Oh, I'm so upset. Um, this is the I, I believe the first appearance of a Starhawk class, uh, New Republic ship. Um, we also see them at least so far in terms of things we discuss on the podcast. We have seen them in Battlefront Two. Um, the at least over the on the during the comm chatter um, that you can hear as Iden is flying around Jakku. Um, the Starhawk ship Unity. Um, sends out a distress call, I believe. Um, so we hear about it there. Um, I like how Sinjir, um, as he's disabling the Wookiees inhibitor chips on Kashyyyk, he's just like, this is like really old tech, man. It's like Clone Wars era tech. And I was like, LOL, inhibitor chips using in Clone Wars. I don't want to die. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I know. Um, the way that Chuck Wendig describes the relationship between Wookiees and the Roshir trees and how, um, you know, the, the trees provide the place for the Wookiees to live, the Wookiees take care of the trees, it's a symbiont system. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we've got, during the, uh, once the Wookiees are freed, we've got this dude getting his arms ripped out for a Wookiee because, duh. Um, during one of the interludes, um, the interlude on Ryloth, we hear, um, more about the uh, Free Ryloth movement, um, specifically a group that is led by Yendor, who we've seen before first, um, at least on the podcast in Bloodline. He is the senator from Ryloth, and he appears before the Senate. And Claudia Gray also um, put him in Lost Stars. He is a Corona leader, I want to say. Right? Uh, I don't believe he's not Corona leader, but, but he is. He is in uh, squad. Uh, let's 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 make up a number. He's Corona three. 
I think. <laughs> yeah, he is Corona Squad, yes. He's in Corona Squad with Thane Kyrell in, uh, in um, Lost Stars. Um, Leia telling um, Yvonne, I need a pilot, was pretty great. I do enjoy that. <laughs> I tickled me quite a bit. Um, there's this chapter that begins with Leia um, having a series of nightmares, and one of them is her dreaming of um, giving birth to twins and dying childbirth, which is, of course, um, her inhabiting a memory of Padme's, which, um, oh god, that didn't make me feel anything at all. Nope. <laughs> um, and the last one I've got here, um, I'm not sure whether this was intentional, because it's before Wedge is introduced on Rebels. Um, it was, this book came out um, the year that season three premiered. Um, the episode that uh, Wedge first appears in is in season three of Rebels. It's called The Antilles Attraction. I believe it is the third or fourth episode in the season. Um, and I'm not sure um, whether Chuck got to see the scripts or anything in advance, but I do think it's interesting that uh, Wedge um, is Phantom Leader and he forms Phantom Squadron because, of course, his mentor was Harrison Dula, who, um, you know, the Phantom was the shuttle on her ship. So I'm really hoping that that was on purpose because we know that Chuck watches Rebels because um, he has Sabine reference in the Fierce Aftermath book. So I'm really hoping that that's a little nod to Wedge's space mom. Yeah, I wonder. I honestly don't know. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Maybe he'll answer that question as opposed to, um, is <laughs> a damn a reference to right 80s motherfucking fuck Christopher. That's my head cannon. I'm sticking to it. I hate you. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Book Wars Pod and wrap up our discussions on Aftermath Life Death by Chuck Wendig. Thank you all for reading along with us and listening. Our next episode, we are going to be starting Canto Bite and specifically reading the first story in the book which is, hang on, wrong tab. I'll get there. Rules of the Game by Saladin Ahmed. Uh, so we're going to be reading the whole story and then talking about it next week. Yay! Yay! I'm excited for this one. Um, I really love it when Star Wars books play a little bit with form and stuff like that. Like, I really love um, from a certain point of view because the short stories are, I think I'm going to enjoy this because it's going to follow us. Yeah, I really love Canto, but I, I, I know not everybody loved it. I really liked it because I felt like the stories were all so different from each other, and it was just a really interesting way to do it. Sure. So we'll see. Yay. In the meantime, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at BookWarsPod, BookWarsPod at gmail.com if you want to email us. Rate, review, and subscribe to both us and the Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed to win free shit. We are giving away free stuff to people who leave reviews, not just ratings, reviews, including but not limited to a paperback edition of Thrawn by Timothy Zahn, which we read last year. Yep. Last year? Last year. Yep. We've got patches. We've got pins. We've got stickers. Got, got episode nine we've spoilers. Got friend- we've got... We've got friendship. We've got friendship. It is friend-shaped. Episode nine spoilers? Oh my god, fuck you. <laughs> I will make up episode yeah, 9 spoilers if you leave us a review. Um, Snoke is alive. <laughs> they just gave him spider legs. <laughs> I'm so mad. 
Anyway. Chris just watched the Spider-Mall episode last night, so I hate it. That wasn't even my idea, okay? <laughs> anyway, also donate to the Tasha Station Radio Patreon and give us coffee at ko-fi.com slash bookhorsepod. Really helps us cover our hosting and production costs and hopefully gives us the ability to bring some cool swag to Star Wars Celebration Chicago. And every time you give us coffee, we'll post a picture of Hamlet, official hamster of the pod on Instagram. Our theme song is Whiz Bang by Pottington Bear. Our logo and artwork are by Joe Butera Design. For Kate and Kristen and not Kate's computer, I'm Chris. Well, fuck you! Thank you for listening to the Book Wars pod, and we'll talk to you next week. Fucking ho-ass bum! And Hamlet. And Hamlet. I have to go pee. (laughs) That's fair. I'm going to get a brownie. I'm going to kick you out and let Hamlet sleep in the bed.